there's an incredible statistic that up to 75% of an organization, so nearly three in four employees have some sort of caregiving responsibilities. So whether that's parenting, but it also could mean caring for a loved one with a chronic illness, a disability, think cancer diagnosis, or, and most commonly now, the aging loved ones. So we are in this incredible, unique kind of perfect storm where call it the sandwich generation, where people are taking care of aging loved ones, aging parents, at the same time taking care of their young children. Welcome to Want to Work There, a podcast that explores what really makes a company a great place to work. I'm your host, Jill Felska, and together we'll explore not only what goes into building a great company culture, but also exactly how to implement those best practices within your own workplace. If you're here, you believe that a better world of work is possible, and I can't wait to build it together. Let's go. Hello, friends, and welcome back to the Want to Work There podcast. I had such a fun time recording today's episode with Tara Elwell Henning, who is a new friend and the CEO and founder of a company called Superkin. Now, Superkin is an advisory firm that works with companies to design modern employee experiences for parents and caregivers who are in the workforce. In the conversation, we go deep into a lot of things, including how the dynamics of parents and caregivers in the workplace has really changed substantially over the last few decades. It is night and day different from where we were in the past, and it means that modern companies are finding different ways to support their employees who are in these roles. During the episode, she speaks to three simple, concrete ways you can support caregivers in your organization. However, before we dive into the conversation, I did want to give you a quick heads up on a new resource that I've recently launched at Want to Work There. For years, I have been wanting to expand how we share information and put it out in newsletter form. So that's exactly what we launched. We have a brand new newsletter. It is full of practical, actionable ways to create better work environments It's different content than what exists here on the podcast, so it is worth, I think, your time and energy and the space in your inbox, not to mention at the end of every newsletter, you get a very cute motivational phrase and compliment from my dog, Theo. Makes the whole thing worth it, in my opinion, but no, all of it has been wonderful. I have truly been blown away by the response. We've only sent three issues, and I've gotten multiple emails from people just expressing that they love the format, that it's super helpful. So hopefully that will feel like something you're excited to subscribe to as well. And if that's the case, you can sign up at wanttoworkthere.com front slash newsletter. That's wanttoworkthere.com front slash newsletter. And I will put the link in the show notes as well so you can access it there. All right. Without further ado, I give you my conversation with Tara Elwell Henning. Hi, Tara. It is so good to talk with you on the podcast. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yes, we hit it off, I feel like, from the first time we chatted. And 
part of that is just a shared passion for creating better workplaces. And part of that, I think, is is just our personalities. But I did give all the listeners a sort of rundown of what Superkin is. But tell me a little bit about, you know, you started Superkin, you're on this mission to support caregivers in the workplace. Why this mission? Why are you passionate about this topic? Yeah, you know, it simply came out of my own experience. I was the first person at a fast-growing SaaS technology company to have a baby. And my CEO, who is a father himself, you know, just said, go for it, figure out the policy. He said, first, congratulations, which is what you're supposed to say. And, you know, we were a company of, at the time, 10 people. And he said, why don't you figure out what a parental leave package should look like for yourself and go for it. And that was really that moment when I recognized two things. One, kind of more of a philosophical, like that there's no national paid leave in this country. The United States is next to Papua New Guinea and Sri Lanka on countries that don't have a national paid leave program. So that was just something I did not know. I was horrified. I lived in La La Land apparently and and found that out and was just really, truly like saw it as this I just couldn't believe it. To me, it was a human issue. It's not a political thing. It's a human issue. And then the second part was I found it very difficult to find the information that I needed. It is a very complex and clunky experience to go through aggregating all of the data around parental leaves in this country. And so it was an aha moment that I put in the back of my head around how to create a supportive, modern parental leave was top of mind. And then, especially as I became a parent again, two years later with my second daughter and what the challenges that parents go through, I looked at the data, I looked at my colleagues, my entire generation and dig into the research and saw the challenges that they were facing and said that it was not only important to create a parental leave, but how do you think about it beyond parental leave? What does that holistic experience look like for parents? in your organization and quickly brought on the idea of caregivers as a whole and how to think about that cohort in the workplace and how they can show up to be the best they can be on a day-to-day basis. So we're going to dig into what beyond parental leave parents and caregivers are experiencing in the workplace. But I just want to back up for a second because you were asked to write the parental leave policy but you were not the head of HR. What were you doing at the company? Yeah, I was, you know, retail strategy. So I really sat between sales and marketing and I had no real experience doing that. I didn't even know where to start. And in fact, this was just a few years ago and it definitely sparked the need for Superkin, but, you know, scoured the internet, had to translate all of the clunky jargon, the legal jargon. You know, at the time my company had no HR. We didn't even have marketing or finance. And so it was quite an eye-opening experience to see how to create a parental leave. But I became very passionate about that after that experience because it is such an important critical piece to the employee journey. And it is certainly something that we see companies use as a barometer. People see it as a barometer to how an organization treats its employees. So it is more than just, you know, those three months or four months or whatever is decided upon, but really it's that kind of beginning of that next stage for that employee. So it really carries a lot of weight 
And it's certainly something that, you know, as millennials become the biggest cohort in the workforce, and as we know that Gen Z has got their unique characteristics and and their experiences and what they've seen their parents go through, I think it's even more so imperative to have a modern experience in order to retain and attract the best employees. When you first told me this story, when we got on a call, I think it just struck me how many companies, you know, when you're in your early stages, don't have some of those foundational things. That is just normal when a company is starting and growing before they've brought in a full-time HR person, before, you know, they've got some of these other people in place who've maybe done this before. It is still very possible that one or more of your employees is going to either have a child, be a partner to someone who's having a child, have children already and need some flexibility. And so I was thinking about, you know, my last role when I was in HR, you know, we were larger at that point and there already was a parental leave policy, but there was someone in the company who was not in HR or any sort of operations role. And she really started this whole campaign around education for and us to adopt a longer parental leave policy that was more inclusive of people than just the birthing mother. And it's one of the things that I just accepted and was so grateful for in awe. And I love that you are building Superkin because I think that there are more and more companies that are in positions to do something different and they don't maybe know what that is. And so you are creating a place for them to have that knowledge. Yeah, thanks. And I think you hit it too, is the idea of not just the birthing parent. I think there's a huge, huge movement towards thinking about the entire family, whether that's mom, dad, birthing, non-birthing. I think it's incredibly important to be looking at support for both because there's financial and even emotional benefits to having both partners take that leave or, you know, at that time. So it's incredibly important. And I think we're seeing a huge movement towards support for both parents. You touched on this right now. When we think of people in the work arena that are caregivers, I think for me, especially, I go straight to parent. But when we talked, you brought up this idea of caregiving beyond just being a parent. And so can you talk a little bit about what that means and what being a caregiver encompasses? Yeah, it's such an important idea to think about it beyond just parenting. There's an incredible statistic that up to 75% of an organization, so nearly three in four employees have some sort of caregiving responsibilities. So whether that's parenting, but it also could mean caring for a loved one with a chronic illness, a disability, think cancer diagnosis, or, and most commonly now, the aging loved ones. So we are in this incredible, unique kind of perfect storm where, call it the sandwich generation, where people are taking care of aging loved ones, aging parents, at the same time taking care of their young children. So it's kind of this clash of like, as people are having babies later, there's more dual income families. So not just the 1960s versions of a family where like man goes to the office and woman stays home, but more both parents are in the paid economy mixed with boomers. 10,000 baby boomers are turning 65 every day. So it's kind of this perfect storm where the clash between like people being pulled in both directions of taking care of their parents. And that could be financially, emotionally, or physically. 
I can list a handful of friends right now who are going through some version of that with kids under the age of 10 and both parents working. So that is something that we see, you know, nearly one in five Americans spend over 20 hours a week on unpaid caregiving. Mm. That's a part-time job in addition to their full-time roles. And that is a very real statistic and something that I think what's most important is that leaders, managers understand that it's not just the mom with a kid. (laughs) It is potentially, you know, the young 26-year-old man who, you know, we think is probably dating or whatever, living his his 20s in a city, but he also could be like living at home and taking care of an aging or elderly parent or, you know, grandparent. So it's important not to ever like assume we know everything about somebody's personal life because mm-hmm. with these types of statistics, it's really likely that somebody does have caregiving responsibilities. Yeah. Just talking about it and shedding light. Mm-hmm. gives people some additional perspective. So I think that's a really good place to start because we don't know. We don't know what anyone's going through, you know, myself included. It's just not something I naturally have thought about in the past. Yeah. So okay. now I will take it into more consideration when I'm leading teams. One of the things that I find often in my career is like, I think that you should be a better place to work because it's the thing that you should do. It's the right thing. Morally, value-wise, I'm aligned with you making those choices. And sometimes, I think especially as leaders and companies, we have to convince people that maybe don't believe that we should care about this stuff for those reasons. So when you're working with companies or thinking about people bringing more parental or caregiver support into the workplace why is it important that companies do this? Why should they even care or consider these sort of outside factors? Yeah, well, you kind of mentioned it at Super Can We Like to Say, it's not just the right thing to do, but it's also good for business. And taking that first piece, right, you know, it's the right thing to do. With those types of statistics, as I just mentioned, nearly three and four employees have caregiving responsibilities. Like, we can't deny the needs of people. If you want to pull from the best talent, chances are that person is going to have caregiving responsibilities in some capacity. And so I think it's taking a higher viewpoint on it is like, what are the values that we place on families and caregiving in our society and and in your company culture? You know, you often see people say, oh, you know, talking about creating culture at work and our employees are like family and we want these bonds and you want, you know, and all those things. But, you know, at the end of the day, like we can't deny the fact that somebody actually has family responsibilities outside of work as well. Some of my best friends have come from my jobs over the course of my career. And I really believe in the benefits to what creating a tight culture internally at an organization looks like. And, but I think we owe it as a society and and as a company to respect and support that situation in the home life, whatever that is. It doesn't necessarily have to be kids, but beyond, you know, what are their caregiving roles look like outside of the home? And there's tons of studies that show that lack of belonging and community or, and those toxic work environments are why people leave. And so we know that that's not salary. That's not titles. Those are the things that matter to people are the culture are those kind of human aspects of our lives. And so I think if we ignore the external 
it's going to hurt some of those metrics around retention as well. And I've also kind of mentioned, you know, it's not just the right thing to do. It's good for business. We see a lot of statistics around talent retention, talent attraction, 70% of employees would quit a job for a job that offers better benefits. I think we understand, I think a huge part of support for caregivers in the workplace also comes down to productivity. If people have the right framework and the right structure to show up and do their jobs well and to support their families, they're able to do both. There's a decrease in burnout, which is also definitely tied to retention as well. But I think one of the key points is also around that productivity. So establishing great policies, establishing a great culture that really is a holistic viewpoint of a caregiver's experience really helps with the employee's productivity, which ultimately leads to better revenue. I've mentioned too, is that support for both parents and caregivers in the workplace. And I think a key piece to the retention is, is people really use that as a barometer. They use it as a barometer of like, how do you, when you're looking for a new job, if you're thinking about joining this certain organization, people will look to, you know, people love to tout the perks and the benefits and things like that. But I think a lot of people, especially millennials and Gen Z tend to look at the deeper things. You know, we always say kombucha on tap isn't going to keep your employees long-term, but what are those really meaningful, thoughtful policies that you have in place? And and how does that show your values as a company and its culture? Yeah. I mean, you spoke to productivity. When you talk about productivity, are you also kind of getting at flexibility? So like a parent's ability to work in the hours that are best for them? Or am I kind of off on what you're getting at there? I think a lot of people, when they think about support for caregivers in the workplace, oh, parental leave, you know, oh, we have parental leave. We have three months for moms, check the box and move on. But we always like to say, like, don't be a box checker. Like it's very much like first, we, as we mentioned, it's how do you think about it, parents holistically? But I think that it goes beyond parental leave. It goes beyond, you know, when the things get real, when that kid is in school or daycare and there's all of these different challenges on the infrastructure of, of care. I think flexibility plays a huge role in that. And I know we're kind of in the middle of this, you know, what is the future of work? Where are people working? What is that hybrid? What is that remote? What does the office do anymore? But I certainly think flexibility is a part of that. And I think it's important to note too that flexibility isn't a one-size-fits-all for everybody. What you need might be different than what I need. And I think the pandemic really exposed the need for a change. It was kind of a defining moment. And I think it shows that you know, yeah, flexibility can be a huge, huge piece to the puzzle of how to retain and recruit caregivers at work. So that does allow people to live a little bit more, you know, fluid between work and life. And I think that's where we are in 2023 with technology and how and where people are working and when. Yeah. I mean, if that means I get up a lot of people in the superkin community, I know, get up at before their kids between like maybe crank out some emails between five and 7 a.m. And then they get the kids off and ready to school and then they get back online, but they've already had two hours of work. And so maybe if they have to leave to pick up a child at daycare or school at 3.30 or four, then, you know, we all know how many moms and parents and dads get back online once bedtime happens because we all know they're not going out as much as they used to. I always, that was always my, my moment as a parent when I was like, man, 
I don't go out as much anymore, so I'll just keep working. So actually, it's the secret sauce is that working it from nine to 11 every night is also not necessarily encouraging that, but you know, you got to do what you got to do. And I think it's important to give parents the ability to get a little bit of flexibility and the when and the, and the where. Yeah. I mean, I just assumed that that was maybe one of the things past parental leave that felt important. Being a great manager is hard, like really hard. I used to preach that it was every company's duty to provide management training for their entire team. But then I became a director of people and culture for a SaaS startup and realized just what kind of barriers were in the way. Design the training in-house? I could never find the time. Hire a third party to come and teach it? Sure, but then I'd need to re-engage them every time a new manager joined, and I just didn't have the budget for that kind of long-term engagement. In my head, I envisioned the startup version of management training a self-led reusable program that consisted of audio lessons, thoughtful exercises, helpful templates, and an internal facilitation plan for cohort-style learning. So I built it. And it quickly became apparent that I wasn't the only person looking for a more cost-effective, scalable solution. If you also fall into that camp and want to learn more, you can visit wanttoworkthere.com backslash management training. That's wanttoworkthere.com backslash management training. All right, let's get back to the show. What else past parental leave, whether that's parents, whether that's caregivers, like what are you seeing that companies are doing that really shows a caregiver like, oh, I want to stay here. They do this. Yeah, and I think it really is all about that thoughtful, meaningful touches and whether that's, you know, I think there's some differences in big companies versus small. Yes, it is important to think about that newborn phase, you know, when, when somebody is preparing to go on leave, when they go on leave and what happens when they come back, call it in that first year or so of giving birth, I think is a very critical moment. So what are the things beyond parental leave? How are you thinking about, you know, I think a huge part of this is, is around coaching and training not only physically is it demanding to give birth, but how is the birthing parent, the mother feeling in those moments leading up to the leave? And after that, you know, whether that's professional guidance as well as like personal mental health, I think that's something that's really important to think about. What does the process look like when they do come back Is it thinking about a ramp up period where you're coming back part time for maybe a couple of weeks, but you're getting either full time wages or, you know, you're building up back to being quote unquote normal again. How do you think about the ramp up back to work? And childcare is certainly top of mind for a lot of organizations, for a lot of parents. It's a huge part of the infrastructure that allows parents to show up effectively every day and to do their jobs and that 50% of the U.S. lives in a childcare desert. And you've probably heard that, you know, it's, it's incredibly expensive. So what are companies doing to help alleviate that challenge? Is it even something simple like backup childcare? Or that is potentially where flexibility comes into play. Would you rather have an employee show up to work that day? Maybe they just have to do it remotely. But maybe if it's a younger baby, they can kind of work, you know, baby sleeps a lot. So like, being very flexible, I think, is key in those couple years and beyond. But 
also, you know, thinking about things like if it's a traveling new mom and, and she's pumping, like there's a lot of incredible companies out there that help enable women to continue to breastfeed their babies? Or how do you think about what are the things that families need? And the hint is that it's not a branded onesie with your company logo on it. (laughs) As sweet as that is, and sure, that is such a thoughtful thing. But, you know, let's be real. When you've got a a newborn at home, you're barely waking up with your head on straight every day. And so what are the things, you know, even simple things like offering a once a month cleaning service to that family or sending them a DoorDash gift card so they don't have to worry about how they're going to (laughs) eat or that they're going to eat something that's a healthy, healthy, warm meal. I mean, it's some pretty basic things, but then thinking about the long term, you know, things around how do you support parents with teenage children? We've gone through a huge mental health crisis in this country. And I think especially during and after the pandemic, that was something that parents of teenagers were looking for better support. Are there certain types of programming you can bring into your organizations that really speak to the, what parents are going through at home, which allows them to show up better at work? If they feel better connected, they feel like their organization understands their challenges. How does that help them in their career and helping them show up to work every day more effectively? I think when I'm listening to you, one of the things that I'm sort of reflecting on is that I think there are things, like you mentioned, that you can do at a company-wide level. So it's a policy that applies to everyone in the company if they have this particular scenario. You know, there's always that type of stuff. Mm -hmm. I'm thinking more and more about how much comes down to the person's direct manager. Yeah. Yeah. And how that person leads. And some of that, obviously, can be company-wide. So like we've supported our managers in understanding how to react when someone tells you that they're expecting. Or we've supported our managers in giving grace if someone needs to take an elderly parent to a doctor's appointment. Like There is obviously training that you can do at a, at a larger level. But I'm just thinking about... like I know when I was managing in the last instance, one of my team members, her daughter would be on the Zoom calls with us sometimes, like hanging out. Mm-hmm. And I was like, cool. Hi, how are you? How's the fifth grade? Like, you know, yeah. whatever else. But that's just who I am as a person. And that not all managers might react that way. So I guess in your experience, I'm just pontificating now, but like in your experience, how much of it is the company and like company-wide stuff versus like how much is like the specific manager that you end up with? Yeah, huge. I mean, I think that's a huge part of it. I mean, we've talked to and work with some of these large companies that have all the bells and whistles that you would dream of as far as having support for parents and caregivers at work. But ultimately, what it does come down to is connecting the dots on the employee experience with the policies. And sometimes we often find that there's a disconnect between what a company has in their benefit silo and then how does it actually take place on a day-to-day basis? And I think you said it, it's a huge part is, you know, I think of it as two ways. Your experience as a parent shouldn't come down to, you know, if, if you're thinking, if it's from a, you know, having a child, it shouldn't come down to what state you live in. Because unfortunately in this country, support on a paid leave is there's 13 states in the United States plus Washington, D.C. that have a paid leave. That is so unfortunate to think about the 35 
38 plus other states that don't have paid leave. And the other part is it also shouldn't come down to you could work at these darling tech companies with all the bells and whistles. Your experience shouldn't come down to me having a better boss than you and therefore my experience is better and I feel more supported and all of those things. So yeah, there's a management caregiver toolbook that we have that helps connect the dots between those because that is something that we see. Honestly, a lot of it comes down to education and this type of management training is critical to the fact that we are seeing more working parents than ever before, dual income working households. And I think that's a huge part of the work that we do is really honestly educating people on the fact that not that people think it's 1960s, but the shifting dynamics in our American family structures vastly different than it was even 30 years ago when that manager was likely born. We typically say like more women in the workplace, more women are breadwinners than ever before. 40% of women are breadwinners. And, and it's more so the case in families where a woman of color is at the helm. And so there's a lot that goes into like the diversity and demographics of families now with there's a massive increase in interest in LGBTQ parenting, which is a 44% increase to previous generations. So how do we think about policies and benefits to support those families? There's also interesting stat around more multi-generational households because of people are saddled with college debt. Cost of living is so high there's a lot of boomerang kids. So they go to college and then they go back to living with their parents. And then they kind of get, I don't mean to say roped into, but roped into caregiving responsibilities. And that's even more so the case in families that are Black, Hispanic, and Asian communities. And so if we want to talk about creating diverse and inclusive environments, it's incredibly important to think about these shifting dynamics in the American family structure because it is so different. You know, It isn't leave it to beaver. 1960s anymore. And so if you want to recruit the best talent, you have to understand these working dynamics in the background. Yeah. Okay. So I'm hearing three things. I'm hearing from a parental care perspective, figure out what your parental leave policy looks like, both from a structural, what is the pay, how many weeks, all of those things down to what is the transition plan for someone going out, coming back in? That's sort of the foundation. How do you Mm -hmm. figure that out? Mm -hmm. I'm hearing a second thing being flexibility. How are you building flexibility into your company so that people who are caregivers, whether that's parents or people who are in a multi-generational family, taking care of aging parents, whoever it is, they have some more flexibility. And then I hear the third thing that's emerged is sort of this training and support for managers because so many managers directly impact the experience that employees have in this area. And how do we better train people to work through these things, show up in a way that is supportive? Is there anything else from like a high level perspective that you sort of see as something companies can do to really support caregivers at work? I mean, I think you did a great job on that recap. And I think that it's taking those foundations, taking that management training, and really, how do you think about it then in that day-to-day? Like, don't just have it 
be that one moment and that live in that one little special box that you take down every now and then when someone says they're pregnant, how do you really walk the walk and continuously think about it and integrate it into your culture? Yes. Yes. Well, I wanted to ask you, I mean, culture. So, and ironically, I'm realizing in this podcast, I have not even done like a real good episode on culture, which I need to do. So the primer for those of you who are listening is that culture really exists of the beliefs that we have as humans and how those beliefs manifest into behaviors. And so maybe the leave it to beaver family belief was men are the breadwinners, women stay home and take care of the kids. That could be a belief that you would say existed back then. And that led to certain behaviors around who was prioritized in careers, what would happen if someone said they were pregnant in the workplace, all of these different things. So fast forward, you know, we've come a long way. The pandemic obviously had an impact as well. You mentioned a couple times some things that came up because of the pandemic that just were sort of unearthed and and maybe a little clearer to people. But I would love to know, is there a belief about caregivers that you wish more CEOs held? Yeah. I mean, taking on that leave it to beaver moment. I really think it's getting rid of these outdated narratives that they have in their heads around what caregiving is, who it is, what it looks like. And I think it's important to understand that it is not just the right thing to do, but it is also good for business. And I think it's important to understand, like we've said, what those changing dynamics are. And also tying it into business outcomes that this isn't, you know, caregiving isn't just this, Oh, that's so sweet. Like let's help the mommies. Like it is, you want to hire the best, like don't box out that segment of the population when you are recruiting and thinking about promotions and thinking about a leadership team. I think that's it. It's just really getting rid of these like outdated narratives. That's a beautiful, beautiful summary of the direction that I hope we move in. And I think you kind of capped it there with having more leaders that are caregivers in some capacity or another. And I think caregiving ultimately leads to empathy. Mm-hmm. And yeah. empathy in the workplace is a powerful, powerful, powerful thing. And so I think having more caregivers who are leaders brings more empathy to what's happening in a variety of situations. And that's going to be the future of work. We're out skills, man, are going to (laughs) become something you learn or give to a computer. It's going to be these other pieces, I think, that are going to be so important. So I am so excited that we started having this conversation today. I know that there are going to be people who want to connect with you further. I heard you say that you have a toolkit or a guide around managers and building better skills for caregivers. Is that right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Amazing. So they can find that on your site. I also know that you just released a toolkit for small businesses who are looking to build a policy, parental leave policy for the first time, don't know where to start. Do not give it to your newly pregnant employee, please. Please, please, please outsource that. Talk to Tara. Get your toolkit so that you can support the parent without making them build your parental leave policy. (laughs) And then finally, I know we talked about this before we started. I know one of the things that I 
struggled with most when I was in my director of people and culture role was sometimes articulating why something was important and getting people on board. It's kind of that beginning of change management. And I know that you also share that passion and have some great resources, some great statistics around why founders, leaders should think about, care about parents and caregivers. And I believe you have a resource, yeah? Yeah. Yeah. I'd love to share it with your community is is really the kind of making it easy for leaders to understand the why it matters and making the case for having a parental leave, no matter what size your organization is, and whether that's one person today who might need parental leave, but that number is probably growing if your company is growing and you're hiring more. So thinking about taking the load off of leaders who are late night Googling the stats that they need to go to their maybe CEO or another leader about why this matters and making it very easy for them to make the case for this incredibly important piece to the employee experience. Yes. You know, I'm all about making things easier. So I love that. Where can people find that resource? You can go to superkin.com forward slash want to work there and just fill out the form and we'll get that over to you. Awesome. I usually don't talk this much about what it is that our guests do and can offer, but I just, I so, we are kindred spirits. You are building things for companies to make it easier for them to be better places to work. So I want people to really go to your site to utilize what you have whether that's the free resource around why this matters or the product for putting your first parental leave in place. I just think that what you're doing is so important. So thank you for the work that you're doing and for coming on and sharing your wisdom with us today. Thank you so much for having me. It was a pleasure. This show was brought to you by wanttoworkthere.com and the incredible team at Podcasting for Creatives. No individual or company acting alone can change our societal beliefs about work. But together, we can create a new normal. If you like this episode, please consider passing it on to one or two people who share your passion for creating a better world of work. And until next time, please know I see you, I believe in you, and keep going. The work you're doing really matters.